Growing Up Baby with Haley Zimak. So, are you ready to start childcare? It's a complex question that can be difficult to answer, at least for me. The best way I can try is to say yes and no. To help us ease into the childcare experience, I turn to Jen Sinrich. She's a Boston-based, soon-to-be mom of two, who writes for some pretty notable publications, including one you're no doubt familiar with. Jen, thanks so much for joining me today. Now, as a freelance journalist for several publications, including What to Expect, which I think everybody knows, you cover a variety of topics related to parenting. I actually came across your article titled Starting Child Care, How to Ease into the Child Care Experience. And as someone who's about to start this journey soon, I'd love to get your thoughts. So I know you have a three-year-old little girl right now. Um, You're due very, very soon. So you'll have to repeat this process again, I assume. Can you share what your child care experience was like for you um, as a first-time mom? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Child care, first of all, is a incredibly complicated, especially in America, where we're provided with such limited resources. Um, You know, the whole concept of it takes a village is it's all nice and jolly of a saying. But the reality is that for the majority, I would say of American moms, there is no village. Um, We're kind of left to navigate and figure it out on our own. And we're also left to pay a ton of money um, in order to get the childcare that we need. Um, the financial burden of it all, I think, and also the emotional um, and psychological aspects that come along with it just put parents um, and especially moms, you know, in a really tough predicament of what do they do? Um, do they continue working if they are working moms? Do they decide to take a break? Do, you know, um, what does it mean to their kids? And, and it's very complicated. Um, and there is no like system, um, that we can really rely on. So I had a lot of trouble as a first time mom, when it came to childcare, um, I was breastfeeding exclusively. I was really proud about doing that. And I felt that nobody could really help me in the way that I needed to be helped because I needed to be nursing all the time. Um, so I kind of, didn't take a maternity leave. I worked through and I like nursed my baby while I was working. And every single time my husband would bring up the opportunity to maybe like hire somebody or have some kind of form of childcare, I was extremely resistant against it. And I think part of it was the breastfeeding and the feeling that, you know, like, I don't really want to have to pump and then preserve the milk and then send it away. And that felt like a lot of work for me, but there was also the emotional component of, um, you know, this is my job. This is what I'm supposed to do. Um, and I don't need any help. And I feel like that was definitely the wrong move for me. Um, when I look back, it sounds like there was a lot of pressure on you. And if I can say maybe self-imposed pressure on you. Absolutely. There was so much self-imposed pressure on me. Um, I also had a very colicky baby. Um, and I was alone, for long, long days. My husband works in the city. We live uh, north of Boston. So he would leave at 7 a.m. He wouldn't get home till 7 30, 8 o'clock at night. You know, they were really long days. Um, and I I learned later on, you know, um, that I suffered from postpartum anxiety, which is something that's really not talked about um, very often. It's um it's like the sister of postpartum depression, but it's quite different. And you know, it's really hard to navigate those feelings because you feel really burnt out and and anxious and 
always on high alert and very sensitive to things, but you don't feel like the stereotypical um, symptoms of postpartum depression. So you think, oh, I'm fine because I don't feel the symptoms of postpartum depression, um, you know, but it is, it is really hard to go through postpartum anxiety. And I think a lot of moms do and don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially because it's at such a time of, of change with your hormones and your emotions and your, your mental state anyway, plus you're caring for this new little baby. You probably have no idea really what to do with for those first couple of months. So it's a lot. And I can understand how it kind of gets buried underneath all that. Absolutely. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then it, it is hard to navigate, you know, baby blues versus, you know, a screaming baby and how am I supposed to handle this and what's normal, what's not normal. Um, and I remember, you know, I, I've been writing for parenting magazines for the better part of the last 15 years, well before I became a mom. And I remember reporting a lot on how new motherhood was in, an incredibly um, lonely experience. And I, it's not that I, I judged mothers before I became one in that area, but I couldn't really fathom or understand really how it could be lonely. You have this smiley little roly poly baby around you. How could, how could you be lonely? Um, and I think that's something you do not experience. You don't understand until you experience that firsthand. Um, and it is very lonely when you have a newborn and you're, you don't have any other um, adult interactions, you know, for 12 plus hours at a time. Um, so speaking of childcare, I mean, I think that having resources available to you, even though it, it might require you to take some time away from your child, it might require you to put up some finances that you don't necessarily want to have to put up, um, is incredibly helpful, not only for you to potentially, you know, have some kind of a working situation, um, whether you need to, or you want to, but also for your own mental stability and, um, peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and so it's interesting because, um, with this podcast, I've spoken to, you know, Canadian mothers, American mothers like yourself. And so in Canada and not everyone has, has mat leave either, but I think it's definitely much more common and expected for myself. For instance, instead of 12 months, which I originally signed up for, I extended to 18 months, you know, in the province of Ontario, in which I live, there's now a, a subsidy or a reduced rate, um, into effect where childcare is cheaper. You know, we're still striving to that time dollar a day. So I don't know about that, but where you are, it's, and and you mentioned this earlier off the top, like it's a completely different ball game, isn't it? So not only are you maybe not entitled to maternity leave, the expenses there. And can I ask, were you freelancing um, as well when you had your, your daughter? And does that play into not getting that support from a workplace and paying extra potentially for childcare as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. So as a freelance journalist, I'm my own business. Um, so, you know, I could have put money aside for maternity leave, but there's no government assistance. There's no, um, there's no company that's paying me maternity leave. So that was the position I was in. Do I take three months completely unpaid or do I continue to work a little and bring a little money in? Um, for me personally, I also, I, I, I really love what I do and I'm lucky for that. Um, so I, I did battle with the concept of like, well, I want to not work at all for three months. Like, is that something that, that I want to do? So I went back and forth and I, I decided to feel that out. Um, and I did decide to work a little bit 
um, which I won't be doing this time. I am taking two months completely off. Um, so I learned a lot, but I, I did end up putting my daughter into daycare at five months, uh, when she was five months old. And that was really, really challenging, um, emotionally and physically because we were, I was still exclusively breastfeeding, but, um, so sorry, how did you do that? Then you just pumped and, and gave them the milk and, and they would bottle feed her then. Or, yeah, yeah. And, okay. and I found that was incredibly challenging because, um, as any pumping mother knows, it's a labor of of, yeah. of love and stress and time. You know, the time, so much time. Not to mention, you know, just being hooked up to a machine like that is yeah, stuck at the kitchen table or whatever. <laughs> you know, you better have your reality TV program or your documentary or whatever you like to watch because it's going to be yeah. a bit. It's a bit of an invasion of of that personal time. So while my daughter was at daycare, it was like I'm hooked up to a machine so I can make milk for her. So it it took away a lot from uh, you know, like the time that I had while she was there. Um but I, I think that it was a good first step for me. Um, I I think that it opened the door to the reality that other people can watch my child and um, that it's okay for me to not always be her constant. Um, so that was like kind of my foray into childcare. And she was there for uh, like about six or seven months until COVID hit. And uh, we we took her out in, in March 2020, um, and and that was kind of the juggling act that many many parents know well. How did you prepare yourself and her? Because I think this is what people listening will want to know. This is certainly what I want to know because I'm going to be in those shoes very very soon, and I'm not quite sure where to start. I have to you know really wrap my head around it. Yeah, it's definitely challenging uh, for both you know, parent and child, I think it depends a lot on the age, you know, when she was five months old, she had no idea what was going on. Um, you know, I kind of just brought her in and, and I cried a little and just kind of like left and, you know, it was very, you know, it was hard and I could hear her crying. And, um, but I did remind myself that at five months, she doesn't really, she's not remembering it. She doesn't really know what's going on. By the time I'm gone, 10, probably seconds later, she's not crying anymore. Very um, true. Yes. I realized I misspoke there when I asked how you prepared <laughs> her because at five months old, as we know, right. you can't really prepare them. Okay. So yes, more about so, yourself then. <laughs> then I actually, I ended up hiring a babysitter. So uh, September of 2020. Yeah. September, 2020. So I decided to, you know, I, I needed help again. Like I, I, you know, I had grappled with the pandemic in the ways that we all did. And um, you know, I decided that child care at a daycare was not something I was willing to do, nor I don't think were many open at the time, but, um, I hired a babysitter to come to my house to watch her for three hours a day. Um, and that was a huge first step in a different direction because that was, you know, one-on-one childcare in my home while I was working. And I absolutely loved that. Um, and preparing her was also really simple because at that point she, um, you know, was a, a little over one and, um, there really wasn't much to do because I was still around. So that was, you know, that was easy. It was a year later, um, September, 2021, where she entered what is like kind of like a preschool, but she was only, you know, two at the time. So it was the small room at the preschool. And that was, re- that was really hard for her. And preparing her was a lot of talking about what she's going to be doing, all the fun things, um, that I will pick her up, that I will be back. 
Um, and that was definitely challenging uh, because, you know, at that age, she understands what it means for me to leave. Um, but she doesn't so much understand that I will come back and and what that really means. So um, there's a lot of crying. There was a lot of, um, you know, help from the teachers at the daycare. Um, and and it, I would say it took about a week or two until she would stop crying. But there would be phases throughout last year where she would, um, you know, cry if I left and, and, you know, so it was really hard. Um, but fast forward to this year now she's officially, it's the same school, but she's in the preschool program. And like, she literally walks right in, doesn't even turn around to say bye to me. I'm like, bye Mila. See you later. You know, she's so happy there. So oh, it's, it's bittersweet, isn't it? Like <laughs> it's definitely a process for yeah. both. Uh, One of my friends had actually recommended, she said, before you go back to work, so let's say you're going back to work on the first of the month, put them in daycare, I guess, if you can, again, this is another thing of starting times and half days I need to figure out, but try to put them back into daycare like a week or two. Uh, before you go back to work, because you can expect maybe some early pickups and things like that. Did you experience anything like that where you had to kind of drop what you were doing and, 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 and take her back home if, if she was upset? I didn't. Um, I think that a lot of childcare professionals are really good at what they do and making sure that like they do, you know, get the child to move on when the parent leaves and to be distracted by things. Um, but I, I do agree with you that being smart about making the transition is incredibly helpful for both parent and child because, um, especially like I'm welcoming my second child um, sometime in the next few weeks, uh, late October, early November. And I thought really hard about making sure I got her well adjusted into a childcare routine before we welcomed the baby, because Mm -hmm. I didn't want her to feel in any way like the transition for her to like be out of the house at childcare had anything to do with the baby. So I do think that whether whatever your situation is at home, being smart about when you make the transition to a childcare environment is, is definitely going to help you. Now, what did you learn, um, from Mila having Mila, you know, you mentioned kind of being chained up with pumping and she was in at five months old. What are you going to do if anything differently for your new baby? When, when that time kind of hits the first thing I'm going to do is be incredibly compassionate to myself. Um, I just carried a child for nine months. I am exhausted physically, emotionally, and mentally, and I'm doing a great job. And I think I need to tell myself that more throughout the process. And also if at any point I feel like something's too much, then it is too much. I'm not Mm -hmm. expected or, um, supposed to feel or do anything in specific ways that I kind of confined myself into before. Um, so I don't necessarily have like a childcare situation in place for my baby. My daughter will be at childcare from 8 30 to 30 every day, um, which will be really, really helpful. And knowing that I'll be nursing and that I did not have a great pumping experience last time. Um, I, I definitely would like to keep him at home with me. Um, but I have left the door completely open to hiring somebody to come to the house to help me. Um, although I haven't put the plans in place yet, because I just don't know exactly what my life will feel like and be like, um, I'm already like telling myself that it's okay. And telling myself that the second you feel overwhelmed, like you need help. And, you know, 
Um, one thing I wanted to circle back on was like the cost because it was so incredible to hear you mentioned something about ten dollars a day for. Child. Well, yes, I mean we we are not there. There's another province in Canada who's yeah. there. Um, I don't have high hopes for Ontario personally, but there there's definitely the, the plan has been in place and has already been implemented that that there are price reductions. That's wonderful. I mean, in America, it is bonkers. Um, you know, w- well above your rent, you're paying in childcare, and if you have two children that are not in public school, um, it, it are not public school aged. It's even it's even more jarring. Um, so yeah, it's really incredibly difficult to grapple with the costs of childcare. My husband and I were just talking about it the other day, and how you know my daughter's a year two years away from kindergarten and that will have, you know, and what those costs really mean. Um, it, it's a lot. I think that, I think that that's why there's an increased amount of stay at home moms. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. And we saw that with COVID too, right? The, yeah. the number of women that had to leave the workforce. Yeah. So for you, are you, you did mention that you are going to take some time off from work. You won't be working for a couple of months. <laughs> yes. So I'm taking two months completely off. The beauty of, of my work is that I, I am my own boss and I can kind of like pick things up a little bit, slow them down to some degree. So um, my plan is to slowly introduce work back into my life in January um, and just take completely November and December off uh, fully. Amazing. Well, and I think it's nice too, that, you know, now this time, not that you didn't have options before, but it probably relieves a lot of the anxiety and the tension that you said, you know, I'll leave the door open for childcare or, you know, a nanny to come help. The, the pumping won't be such an issue. So it's probably nice to to feel like you do have those options this time around, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, since I became a mom, a lot of my friends have become mothers themselves. And I found myself in the position of giving them the advice that I wish I was giving myself um, when I had my daughter. Okay. Which was, that's actually a great segue into the next question, Jen. (laughs) I wanted to end on, you know, because we're so lucky as journalists that we get access to to experts, right? People who know far, far more than us. Um, You know, you're a prolific writer. You, you have such vast experience. You know, this is even why I started the podcast because I had so many questions and I just wanted to find stuff out about being a new mom and having a baby. So during your research for this article, was there any one tip or piece of advice that really resonated with you that you you can pass on that may help other parents, other moms specifically prepare for this? I think it goes back to the compassion factor. Recognizing like, yes, you know, as as biological women, we we are designed, you know, to have babies and to go through this as as mothers if we choose to. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not hard. That doesn't mean that we don't need help. That doesn't mean that we can do everything on our own. Um, and really really relying on the resources that are available to us um, is incredibly important because it can be a very lonely, stressful, anxiety inducing journey. And um, we don't, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, And so I think that really being compassionate and understanding with ourselves is a great place to start because oftentimes we're the ones who are the hardest on, on ourselves and our expectations. Mm-hmm. Who or what do you think you would turn to this time around? You know, and I, when you, you mentioned those long, lonely days, but how can I be lonely with a little baby? I really felt that that resonated with me because I'm in a situation now where we've kind of moved out of the city and my partner, he's doing that long drive, you know, and I love my little guy, but man, like there are long days sometimes. 
Absolutely. Um, I think if you're lucky enough to have family around um, asking for help, I, I expected certain elements of help from my mother who lives close by. Um, but I had all these expectations of how she was going to help me and, and it wasn't something that was very communicated and it wasn't, you know, calling her and saying, I need her. Um, and it's been a journey for us both to kind of get into a place where uh, she knows what kind of help I need. And I've been able to communicate that to her. And now, you know, especially during the first trimester of this pregnancy, I would call her and be like, mom, I can't move. I need you to come help me with Mila. But, you know, knowing how to communicate your needs is big. Um, but also remembering that there are a lot of resources um, available to you in your community for the most part. Um, like my community does a lot of mommy and baby play date kinds of things at our library. Um, a lot of fitness studios do some kind of blended, maybe like a mom and baby yoga. Um, so so digging into your community a little bit and seeing what things you could involve yourself in that may introduce you to other parents, other people in your shoes. Uh, so leaving the house, I guess, um, I think it can be really challenging, especially as a new mom to leave the house, but sometimes that can be a great first step. Absolutely. Yep. I'm uh, going to the grocery store after this interview and that that's our outing today. And you know what? That's okay. That's enough. That is more than enough. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jen, and all the best of luck uh, with your new addition. Thank you so much, Haley. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please download, subscribe, follow, and share. Conversations may be edited for length and clarity. The information, opinions, and recommendations in this podcast are for general informational purposes only. The information is not intended to replace or serve as a substitute for professional advice, consultation, or service. Until next time.